1: Thank you for joining the Mobile Syrup Syrupcast. My name is Ian Hardy. And on the Syrupcast, we talk about everything tech, mobile related, and everything in the mobile space, whether it's apps, smartphones, tablets. And this week, we're going to talk about Microsoft's bots and also Blackberry's fumbles. Before we begin, let's get a word from our friend of the Toronto Raptors, Corey Joseph. Hey, this is Corey Joseph, and you're listening to the Mobile
0: Syrup podcast.
1: Thank you for joining us. On my left-hand side, we have Patrick O'Rourke. Patrick, how are you today?
2: I am excellent, Ian. How are you? I'm doing very
1: well, thank you. And across from me is not Igor, but it's someone new to the Mobile Syrup team, and her name is Rose. Rose, welcome to the Syrupcast and also Mobile Syrup.
0: Thanks for the welcome. Really glad to be here.
1: Our pleasure. Tell everyone listening a little (laughs) bit about yourself.
0: So uh, my name is Rose, I've been a tech freelancer for a little bit before coming here, and before that had my own tech education business called CompCamp, which taught computer science skills to kids between the ages of 8 and 15 in Halifax.
1: Amazing. Was that a good experience?
0: It was really, really fun. We did game coding, we did hardware, take-aparts. and basically, we're just there to teach them what the school curriculum did not at the time.
1: So you gave children a viewpoint of what the future could hold.
0: Yeah, exactly. Amazing.
1: So what, so what about the hardware?
0: Uh, the hardware, basically, we got donations of computers and let them take them apart and let them put together computers that were even better and... Take them home at the end of the week.
2: It sounds like I should take that class. Yeah, it was so really nice cool. So that I understand how to build my own computer. Yeah. We can be our own Fix-It. Oh,
0: yeah.
2: The iFixit. The iFixit. Yeah. MobileServe iFixit. Yeah, that'd did, be amazing. Did you see the, uh, the teardown that they did to the Oculus Rift? Uh, no, actually. It's actually really cool. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. Yeah, you can see the
1: inside of the VR headset. Um, so did anyone ever give you BlackBerry devices to take apart?
0: Uh, No.
1: They didn't? No. Because so many were were returned and no one's buying them. Yeah,
0: Yeah. (laughs) it's true. They should just donate them. They should. Yeah.
1: So today BlackBerry announced their quarterly results in year, fiscal year end. Uh, And it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. They only sold 600,000 smartphones. Uh, Priv sales were not included.
2: Uh, Revenues were down from what analysts expected. What are your thoughts on this? So what I think is kind of scary about that number is that's 600,000 including the priv. Mm-hmm. So imagine if they did break out those priv numbers, how much it probably sold. Yeah. Right. Like I just being on the subway and the streetcar and stuff, I don't think I've ever seen a priv like in the wild, like someone using that's one so true. on their own. Right. I've never seen it. Um, so yeah, they posted a loss of 238 million USD, which I think is similar to the loss that they posted last quarter. Um, and yeah, they, they, there's like layoffs a couple months ago that we reported on. Um, and the interesting thing is that they, BlackBerry still won't give a firm answer in terms of their future in smartphone hardware. Um, like it's quite obvious that they're doing well in security, um, and enterprise things. They're, they're acquiring companies all over the place that are doing internet of things stuff. Um, but they won't give a firm answer as to whether or not they're going to continue making phones, whether that means Android devices with, with the priv, which, obviously hasn't been the resounding success that uh john chen was hoping for because otherwise they'd probably be boasting about the numbers in, mm-hmm. in the report mm-hmm. right. um or if they're going to continue with bb10 that they also keep sort of half-heartedly pretending that they still care about it and still want to right. to release apps for um so yeah yeah
1: it'll be interesting to, to see what they do uh john chen also said that he's interested in Releasing possibly a mid-range Android, we've seen one leak online before. I think it was called the Vienna.
0: Yeah, the it, Vienna. It,
1: a... it, it looked like the Priv, but yeah. I don't think it, it. comes with. It could be all touchscreen or just a slider or no slider, just with a keyboard.
2: Yeah, it, when when I saw the the renders, whether they were real, or not who knows, but they it had uh, a keyboard like a, a standard QWERTY keyboard, yeah. and it wasn't a slider. It was. It looked almost like a classic. Yeah. BlackBerry in a way, but it was Android. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So do you, so do you think that uh, Rose, do you think that even if BlackBerry comes out with a, a mid-range Android, that will help boost them?
0: I don't think so. I think, I mean, they have the Leap right now, which is probably a little under mid-range, I would say. Right. It's like 400 or something. Like 300, internal, 400. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is doing, I'd say, probably worse than the rest of them. Nobody has any real interest in the devices apart from the classic. Right. And the classic right. is just basically there for nostalgia reasons right. at this point. So yeah, I do think that they have people have been saying for a long time that they should move to just focus on software, and I do think that's probably the best course of action.
1: That would that, that would probably be a good position for them, just to stop the bleeding of the cache, yeah. Right.
2: I, I think there's also like a stigma surrounding BlackBerry. Right? Like before we recorded this, we were talking to Jessica Galang, who writes for or sister site. And I think Ian, you posed the question to her, like, would you go back to using a Blackberry? And her answer was pretty poignant. It was like, no, because it's not, it's not cool, right? Like, no one mm-hmm. wants to use a Blackberry. And if you are, people ask you, like, why would you, why are you still using a Blackberry? Why are yeah. you sticking with it? And um, I think the main, the only answer that people have been, or the only reason that a lot of people have been clinging to is because of the keyboard, right? right? And other than the keyboard, I don't think the ecosystem in terms of apps, um, I'm even in terms of device quality, I don't think there's much that it offers that isn't already available out there on exactly. Android. Right.
0: I think it is interesting that people do still want that physical keyboard. Yeah. And, um, I think it would be a hit in a, for a certain demographic. If somebody came out with another keyboard phone, like a slider phone, people miss those.
2: Really? You think people miss the slider phone?
0: I've heard a lot of people say they miss the slider well, phone. It's,
2: it's the same as the SE, right? Like the SE's not for me, the, the right. iPhone SE, it's not for me, it's four inches, I, I like larger phones, but I run into family members and friends all the time that want smaller devices, mm-hmm. and they have no interest in, um, I guess, opting for Android, they want to stick with iOS, and even on Android there's not many small phone options, yeah. if you want a high-end phone, it's not like, uh, what's the Moto G or something like that, mm-hmm. that's, that's really small, um, there's very few options out there. And that's something that the, the SE provided. So it's kind of the same situation yeah. with the BlackBerry and the, the keyboard stuff.
0: There's some people who can't deal with the keyboards, uh, virtual keyboards. Like they really, yeah. really, yeah, everything comes out wrong.
1: So then it comes down to what are people doing with, with their smartphone, right? Right. So if it's about productivity, then sure, the keyboard could be... If it's about work productivity, the keyboard could be a game changer. If it's about entertainment, then most likely touchscreens are are most important to you right i i
2: I would imagine i have seen a blackberry passport before in in the wild like i saw someone using one on a plane when i was flying to san francisco and it looked like looked hilarious like that phone just looks comical like it's not because it's so big yeah it's so huge and it looks like i don't know it looks like (laughs) someone that something that someone like drew as a concept on on like a whiteboard in an office and then they're like hey let's just make this let's just do it anyways even though it looks ridiculous yeah um i don't know yeah, yeah
1: we, but one of the areas that BlackBerry is really pushing is their Internet of Things. Uh, yesterday they came out or announced uh, uh, a new program that connects uh, Internet of Things with trucks for asset tracking. Um, so that's interesting. And they're, uh, the q and stuff that they're doing. Yeah. So they're going really hardcore on security, which I think for them, with their government connections... Um, I think it might be really difficult for them to separate and or disconnect from their smartphone business, Right. because they have such deep relationships with with governments all all over the world.
0: They still all have Blackberries. Yeah. So yeah. A,
1: a couple of weeks ago, I met uh, the chairman of the CRTC, um, and he had a, a passport. Mm-hmm. Really? And, yeah. So we, and that's because it's it the BlackBerry and the government of Canada have. A relationship where they give them blackberries, right? So he says, "I can't get out of the, I can't get out of, out of my contract mm-hmm. because I have to have a blackberry. i may need to have a blackberry." So he wants to have an iPhone, but he has he has an iPad, but he can't disconnect. But he likes the keyboard.
0: Yeah and then they get scared to leave a lot of people have never like people like that especially if you've worked in the government for a long amount of time have never tried anything else so there's this sort of skepticism about right newfangled technology and i asked
1: him what he does for fun <laughs> he goes like oh my ipad yeah <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah which is which is very telling right so he he's very much a business guy obviously um and it'll be interesting to see where BlackBerry goes in the next few months because they're gonna, because the bleeding of money has to stop, uh, even though they have like two two point three billion dollars
2: in the bank or whatever it is. Two point six two billion USD. But that's cash mm-hmm. and investments. Oh, and investments, right? Too, so okay. like yeah. land and buildings. Mm-hmm. So they have they have money to burn and, and to yeah. an extent, right? Right, like they can't do it forever. Right? This, this is from the Thurston
1: Heinz days of yeah, yeah, yeah. of golden parachutes, yeah, like the money, golden parachutes, <laughs> like you know what I mean, like. Yeah, it's, yeah. They've been bleeding for so long. So e- long. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's it's crazy.
1: But they also have a bunch of patents that that help make BlackBerry more valuable. Even though their stock doesn't show it, uh, the patent the patent treasure troll is there, treasure chest, not troll. <laughs> uh, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what's what's next for BlackBerry from all aspects, especially because they have such deep Canadian roots. So. Uh yeah. Any
2: uh, other thoughts on BlackBerry? No, nothing nothing in particular. Um we also have Igor down at Build right now. Um checking out Chatbots and Microsoft HoloLens. We just published a story earlier today about uh his thoughts on HoloLens and it seemed like um just from his general impressions that things were a little more positive than they were last year. Although he mentioned that the um the field of vision, like uh, the, I haven't actually tried HoloLens. It's the one augmented yeah. reality VR headset that I haven't tried. Um, he mentioned that uh, in terms of HoloLens, still even a year later, the field of vision is really small. Like you can only see like a very small section of it is actually okay. augmented reality. Um, but yeah, he, he was generally positive about it. I think he mentioned that it was way more comfortable to wear um, and that they're starting to see some cool software coming up for right. it as well.
1: Yeah. So, so what does that mean that like, the field of vision is very small?
2: Um, so, like, when you're wearing Gear VR or when you're wearing Oculus or Vive, it's it's different, right? Like, that's that's for, that's VR. It's not augmented reality. Um, but you you can look 160 degrees around you. That's the whole point of it. It tracks your head. Um, with uh, uh, with um, with Microsoft's headset, the way it works is it's still 360. But what you're able to see. So it's like almost put put your hands in front of your face and you can only see like that little tiny bit in front of you, and that's the actual augmented reality portion of it. It's not the whole view of what your eye can see. But if uh, you, yeah. if it's you look up you can still see it. You like, can still see it, but it's it's like the rest of it is just the, re- the the regular world and it's just this one part that is the augmented reality section. Okay. So say you're playing Minecraft, like that was a demo from from last year's Minecraft. Um, and, and you're moving blocks around in augmented reality. You can only, The blocks are only in this very spe- specific section of what you're seeing. Everything else around you is just the regular world.
1: So do you think that, I, I would think, like I put on the Gear VR, uh, I think I a couple other ones, one that was really terrible, um, but do you think that because it only shows you a limited view of augmented reality that the experience would be somewhat
2: diminished. I think that's the problem right now. That's what a lot of the criticism is that it's getting. Yeah. Um, I see that changing in the future. I think it's a, ma- a matter of like the hardware catching up with the vision for it, right? Um, like the thing that we have to remember with HoloLens is that it's still probably minimum three years away, probably more than that, right. like five years away. Um, and that there's not even really software made for yet, right? Like Microsoft showed off some cool stuff that they're doing with, um, I can't remember the name of the university, but they're working with medical students yeah. showing off like an, uh, an augmented reality visualization of the human body for, for learning all kinds of cool medical things. Um, so like the, techno- the the concept is there and the hardware and technology needs to catch up with it. Cause it's not tethered to a computer the way that hmm. uh, the other VR headsets are. It's all like onboard in the device itself. Um, so it's a matter of all of that just just catching up with what Microsoft wants it to be able to do.
0: I I believe they said they were starting to send out dev kits. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. the,
2: the dev kits went out yesterday. Okay. I think I actually registered oh, that on the thirtieth. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, they're very expensive. They're three thousand dollars USD. Oh, great. Which I mean, a lot of our commenters is like, "Well, oh, that seems like a reasonable price for something right. that's so experimental." But I know when the Oculus dev kits first went out, yeah. um, they were significantly cheaper. They were like. Canadian, I think they're like three hundred and fifty bucks or something. Yeah, I think right. that's
0: gonna be a barrier.
2: Too. Um for sure. So yeah, the the way I always describe it is uh HoloLens is where Oculus was in like 2011, 2012. Right. So we're still many years away from it getting store shelves and actually being able to use it. And Oculus just came out to customers. Yeah, for sure.
1: And and the reviews were, were good. They said some some people who reviewed the, the headset said that this is the beginning of, of VR.
2: Mm hmm. It's still, still very expensive, still a huge barrier of entry of getting into it, though, because mm-hmm. you not only have to spend the $914 Canadian to get your hands on one, then you also need like a high-end gaming PC for, for it to run. Right. Um, and I think, I, I'm sure that this number is, isn't totally accurate, but it's something like only 13 million people in the world have a PC capable of running Oculus or, or the Vive, so that wow. limits the audience considerably. It's something between like 10 and uh, ten and fifteen million, like a number in that in that range of people that actually own a PC capable of okay. being able to run VR.
1: I wonder how they can make money off that then, because only a certain those people will well, it's, actually it's, go
2: go forth and purchase it. It's Facebook, right? So I think it's kind of a long game. Like they have so much yeah. money, they don't really care if it's if it's profitable in the first couple of years. If if ten years from now VR actually is this um, big thing that people are predicting it will be, then they'll be satisfied with right. like their decision to move into it. Um, but Microsoft also showed off some other cool things. Lots of bots. Lots of bots. Bots, bots of, the of the future. So yeah, um, Jinx. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. bots <laughs> of the future. What uh, is what is a bot? Because some people who are not
1: familiar with a bot, um,
2: they might not know. Eh. It's those things in MSN Messenger that when I was in high school I used to just I used to swear at and they yes. would they would okay. yell back at me. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's so what a bot is to
1: me. So you're talking about Clippy.
2: Yeah, Clippy. Oh, I was wow. hoping Microsoft Clippy. would bring back Clippy. Um but no, that's that's not what modern bots are, I guess. Um Microsoft views bots as the new way that we're going to interact with uh, computers and devices. So sort of replacing the traditional idea. Of a user interface, like Mm -hmm. how how DOS was the first way that we interacted with computers, and then we had a visual user interface for companies like Microsoft. And like I wrote about, Kick doing the same thing. Uh, A bot is the new way that we're going to make things happen. So uh, Microsoft didn't show off anything specific. They apologized for for K, their little botics, not little, their enormous bot experiment that kind of turned into a. Racist abomination, um, thanks to some,
0: she turned out to be pretty, pretty terrible person. Yes, she
2: turned out to be a terrible one from a
0: sassy teen to a a neo Nazi very quickly in the
2: matter of like 10 hours or something like that, too. Um, turned into the internet just embodied in a
0: bot because 4chan got a hold of her. Is that
2: was it 4chan? It was
0: 4chan, and that's the thing, like, people are saying, Oh, it's just because these trolls. Got a hold of her and and hacked it and 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 that's not really you know what she could have been, but that is what makes AI scary right. is that people can repurpose it. And You don't have full control. You of don't what have it's full control. In. Yeah. Um.
2: So some of the stuff that Microsoft talked about, they didn't show off anything specific, which was kind of disappointing. Is how bots could work in Skype, for example. So like, say you're going on a plane trip, um, to like San Francisco or whatever, and, and you need a plane booked, you can tell. Your digital assistant bot to do that for you, and it will go out and it'll um, seed all of these links from the internet and decide which which flight is the cheapest, which fits in with the parameters in terms of time that you gave it, and we will go ahead and book that for you. Which to me sounds cool, but like I would be kind of worried that maybe the bot would make a mistake, or maybe it wouldn't pick the exact flight that I wanted, okay. or that maybe the the bot's algorithms are slightly off and it doesn't uh, and it won't end up finding that perfect flight that I wanted. Or maybe it'll it, it'll select me in a window seat instead of an aisle seat, right? Right. So I can't go to the bathroom in the middle of the flight. I'll have to bug the people <laughs> beside me, yeah. Which is always my biggest fear. Um. So, but that's Microsoft's vision for bots is that it's an extension of what we view as a traditional user interface.
1: It's actually interesting because, like, they demoed it in Skype to make a reservation uh, and to book a flight, which also process a payment. Which you don't know how the payment was processed or where your credit card mm-hmm. was processed, but they also don't didn't tell you where the flight was being booked. Yeah. So it could have been all Microsoft products because they could have used Expedia, which is owned by Microsoft. Yeah. So. Oh, that's owned by Microsoft. I didn't yeah. yeah. Wow.
2: yeah.
1: Um, so they could be just filtering all their products into one big Microsoft world. Right. Which is all about convergence for them, right? So.
0: And it'll
2: be interesting as well I think what was cool well I don't know if I would say cool but what was kind of fascinating was to see Satya Satya Sat,
0: Satya Satya I think that's how all the Satya, Americans yeah. say, Nadella
2: yeah. uh, Microsoft CEO like straight up apologizing for Tay mm-hmm. he like legitimately said Tay was not up to the mark um, and I think that's a rarity in the tech world you don't yeah. you see companies right. apologizing for things he's um, had
0: to apologize a couple of things <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for a couple of things for a couple of things that's yeah. for sure um, yeah.
2: so that was kind of I don't know, fascinating to see from, from like a journalist's perspective. So or is that like
1: a new a new Microsoft?
2: Because he looks kind of cool. He looks like a cool yeah. guy. Yeah. I think, right? I mean, I always yeah. tell people this and a lot of people don't um, agree with me, but I think in many ways Microsoft is the new Apple to some extent. Wow. They're doing Wow. Because they're doing experimental different things. Right. Like if you look at what um, Apple's done for the last couple of years since they've risen to monumental success, it's very iterative. Um, And there's not to say there's anything wrong with that, but like with every iPad release, it looks like the same iPad. You know what I mean? Microsoft came out of nowhere with the Surface. And And the Surface Book. And the Surface Book. And in many ways, Apple's now copying what Microsoft did with the iPad Pro. Right. If you ask like an Apple PR person or an Apple executive, they'll totally deny that and say that they've been working on this forever. Because the pen is revolutionary. Because the pen is revolutionary. The pencil. The pencil, yes. um, When really, to me, from my perspective, it looks like they're just sort of um, not not really copying, but it seems like they're inspired by what Microsoft is doing. Microsoft's in this corner, they're forced to innovate, whereas Apple's on top and they're running the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know a few people who work at Microsoft who say that it is kind of a startup culture that they've got going on in there right now. And that it's sort of like, you know, fail fast, all that sort of stuff, That's small teams. so. So I could see how you would say that, that yeah, they're sure. becoming more innovative.
2: And I know um, Igor is down there right now at, at 2016 build, um, and he's—we won't reveal any of the stuff that he's working on, but he's, he, said he has some interesting stories in the works that will be up on mobile service
1: soon. Oh, I, I really want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously want to know. We'll see them next week. <laughs> okay, good. So um, let's talk about complaints. Please. Not just what uh, CEO Mike Microsoft did apologizing, but in Canada, the CCTS came out with their midterm report of uh, complaints um, in the telecommunication space, and suddenly Rogers, out of nowhere, went from almost the worst to one of the best. And when it's when I say best, they reduced their complaints by sixty five percent, which is massive. Now, you have worked in uh, the carriers before.
0: Yes, I have. I what would is your say, experience? I would say I'm surprised by that and impressed. Um, so, does that just mean that they've reduced more than the other carriers or that they have less complaints than the
1: they, other carriers? From, they, they have less complaints as a company themselves. Okay. So, it reduced 65% and it's like whatever, let's say 1,000, call it.
0: Okay.
1: So, the fact that they reduced that much year over year. Uh, And I think when they started to focus on their customer service is when Guy Lawrence came in in 2014 and said, here's our new plan. We're gonna focus on customer service. We're gonna overhaul the customer service experience. Our employees are first, we're gonna listen to them. So he went around to all the employees and said, tell me your concerns, what's what's wrong with the company?
2: Mm
0: -hmm. And he overhauled
1: everything in his Rogers 3.0 plan. So it seems at the time he said, it's not going to be six months, it's not going to be a year, it's going to be two, three years. And he seems like it's on track, which is the craziest part of it all.
0: That is crazy. I know that one thing from my experience in retail, um, that Rogers has severely decreased on that employee churn too. So mm. they're keeping their employees longer, which is super essential in terms of having people who are uh, going to treat the customer give them the most information that they can, give them accurate information, which is like something that really bothers the customers a lot, I think. Right. There's, there's a lot of misleading stuff right out there. And
2: there's a learning curve too, to you know, the plans Huge. and how things work and what changes and stuff like that. Yeah, you
0: know? these representatives have to, uh, they have to memorize a lot of stuff and then it changes every day. Right. So um, it actually takes quite a lot of uh Experience and being on top of it. Um, I know that probably a good half of what came up to the desk was complaints about bills, right? Um, because there are hidden charges or what look like hidden charges. Um, most of the time, it's about proration. So proration is
1: yeah. What's what's proration for people that may not know?
0: You know what? It's confusing. It's basically when you get an upgrade, for instance, they charge you from the day that you got your upgrade to your billing date, plus a month in advance. So sometimes that can look like a double bill, and it is a double bill. <laughs> so that's so, kind of what irks people.
1: So is that is that where the billing issues come in? Because for the for the sixth year in a row, and this is going on the seventh or eighth year of this report, um, billing issues or Billing frustrations have been the number one cause of complaints across the board, not just in wireless, but in internet, home phone, all yeah. that stuff. It's billing issues. So is that
0: I could believe some that. of the
1: confusion that when customers say, hey, I've changed my plan, but I didn't know it's being billed this?
0: Yeah, I think that would be a strong one, especially because in certain um, stores, they're too busy to explain proration.
2: No
0: and uh, And that can happen sometimes. Yeah.
1: So the stores are too busy for the for the people to explain to the customer what's happening.
0: Not always, but but uh, yeah, especially if it's a busy store.
1: And then who is it the customer's fault to fully understand the plan, like all the details, or do you think it's...
0: I think proration order? is in the fine print.
1: And, right. no one, and no one explains the fine print?
0: yeah they might not. I mean, I know a lot of great people who will fully explain all the charges, sure. but some people might not. it's It's not a fun thing so to explain to
2: if you, does <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that. So does probation really only affect like when you upgrade or when you start when you first subscribe to something?
0: um no so it it's actually so for most of the time when you are first activating, you don't get that probation charge oh, okay. because your bill starts on that date. Or you do, but it's only two days of proration. So it's probably only around like four four to five So it's bucks. really only
2: on upgrades.
0: Upgrades, if you change your plan. Okay. Anything that would happen in between your billing cycle.
2: That's why when I upgraded my internet plan, my bill was like two bills in one. Almost. Right, okay. exactly.
0: Makes sense there now, you I get
1: go. Yeah. So you, you learn things on the Mobile Syrup Syrupcast. Kind of <laughs> there you go. Proration is the, is the word of the day.
0: Proration. Interesting scary word uh,
1: another one of the uh things that came out of the report uh tell us um, who is a friendly carrier in canada prides himself in customer service they actually somewhat increased the number of complaints bell continues to be on top of the number of complaints that Canadians are frustrated in billing again so it seems like the, the big three obviously are leading the charge with the sub brands Wind mobile came in i think they had about 70 Seventy nine complaints. So, yeah, it was about that much. Yeah, it seems, and it's is it doing is the report doing justice? Like, are people complaining just to complain, or is it a valid complaint? So, um, the CCTS said this is a progress in Canadian telecoms, and we're doing a great job. The CTS is mandated to do these reports,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so. Um, it's fascinating to see where where it lines
2: up six months in so who had the most complaints was it Bell? Bell Bell by a ton right? again yeah by like well six seven hundred so maybe they're going to have to adopt Rogers strategy and revamp their customer service yeah I think
0: they just need more customer representatives I think Rogers probably has more in terms of on the phone and online
2: whenever I call Rogers I get through pretty quickly Bell
1: had uh 1677 complaints uh total uh, across the board for all other services which is about 37% of all complaints in Canada. Wow. Rogers was That's second. A huge number. Yeah, it's massive. It uh, is four, also the market 30, leader though. That's true, yeah. Yeah. The market leader in what?
0: It has the most subscribers if I'm Rogers does. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Rogers had like Ooh. 9. Five million subscribers. Bell uh, is actually third.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah, Telus is second. Okay. Yeah,
1: totally, because tel- Telus jumped up uh, right after they purchased Public Mobile, so oh. they went from third oh, okay. to second. Okay. Right. I always um, think
2: of Bell as first for whatever reason. Like in my mind.
0: I guess because it has probably the most expansive uh, tower network okay.
2: across That's true. Canada. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Fascinating. Right? That is learn something so, new every day.
1: So the number three carrier has the most complaints. The number two carrier comes in uh, third, and the number one carrier is second.
0: Well, interesting. Mm.
1: But that's overall. So you got to think about it's not just wireless; it's it's internet and home phone and cable and all that stuff.
2: When I was reading your story, the one thing that I was curious about is it says accepted complaints.
1: So so, so sometimes when. Um, uh, customer complains, there are certain procedures that the CTS says, well, you got to talk to your carrier first. Oh, okay. Right? So see. before they accept it, they say, did you reach out to your carrier? And if they say no, okay. then yeah. they say,
2: go to your carrier first before we even talk to you. Right. So you have to do your like due, digil- due right. diligence as a customer. First. Right.
1: So take take the, the new skinny packages that came out, and CT, CCTS said they're going to start doing that, taking complaints for television, which is... Yeah which is gonna be a whole new game because these oh, yeah. for sure. TV packages were just a mess. Yeah. Um, so by the end of next year, in six months from now, will be the first report for the CCTS on TV, which will probably jump these stats like way up, which will be a record number of complaints in Canada. Right. So um, yeah, it'll be a whole new game right. for, for Canada and CCTS and CRTC and everyone complaining.
0: I'm very thankful for the CRTC, definitely. I think really? they I I you got to keep come? them just to keep the the big 3 accountable. I think it's important. Otherwise, they I mean, I think they kind of maybe they don't work together, but they sort of work together, you know? Like there's there's services that they offer are so similar. Right. They're not doing their job of comp- competing enough to to give uh, the Canadian consumers what like the prices and the, the service that they deserve, I don't think.
1: So do you think that'll change when Shaw takes full, develops his brand strategy for wind?
0: I have no idea. Good, good. <laughs> that's
2: a good answer, good that's answer. answer. <laughs> no, nobody knows. nobody knows. Well, they're gonna turn it from a discount brand into like a, a flagship sort of comparable prices to Bell and Rogers. Isn't that the, the general consensus? From I heard people? the opposite. Oh,
1: really? I heard they're going to really, the prices are going to get even lower.
2: Really, really, they're going to create actual competition. Wow,
1: I heard unconfirmed, don't quote me. I heard the prices are going to get lower than what they are, and they're going to bundle in a bunch of stuff. So, what you're telling me is I should switch to to shop. I'm not telling you anything (laughs) at all. (laughs) It'll, it'll, that will be you know, when Wynn came in, we talked this before. When they got their Spectrum in 2008, when they launched in 2010, they said, we're going to change wireless. It's going to be the next big thing. They had network issues. People got frustrated and switched. So will Shaw be the next golden wireless carrier in Canada? It'll be, it will be a good time or a bad time. So it'll, it'll be a complete new future. A modular future. A modular mm. future. That, so that's let's a good, t- that was a good transition. Yeah. That was good. <laughs>
2: yeah, totally. Um. So yeah, we, we published our G5 review uh, this week that I wrote, and I was not super impressed with the phone. Um. I wasn't that sort of hot on the, the build quality of the device, particularly for me. One of, one of the defining factors with flagship phones now is what it looks like because so many phones perform well. They all mostly have the same components. They all have a Snapdragon 820. Um, oh, the, the Tim Hortons cup of doom. Um, and yeah, they have, the, they have a Snapdragon 820 and they have um, four gigs of RAM. Um, and they all pretty much have the same resolution screen. So this is comparing with the S7 and the G5. Uh, for me, the defining factor is what the phone actually looks like. And when you look at pictures of the G5, it's just not as attractive looking device as the S7 or the uh, iPhone 6S.
1: So even with its unique features, the removable battery, the the friends accessories, it for everyday people out there who are not hardcore smartphone mm-hmm. enthusiasts, do you think that that is a selling point or friends? or confusion?
2: Um, I, I think that it's like a brave move, brave move by LG to try this friends thing. I like think the whole modular idea is like it's cool in mm-hmm. theory. Yeah, um, it's different, and I was pretty excited about it. Like when they re- revealed it the at Mobile World Congress, I don't think it's something that like it's new. It's we don't see a lot of change in the in the smartphone space, right. like, especially at the top tier like flagship level. So I have like a lot of I guess respect for LG trying something different, whereas the S7 was very iterative. Um, and it kind of, it sucks for them that it didn't, it didn't work yeah. out at least as far as I'm concerned. So I'm hoping that this is like the start of something different and maybe next year, the the modular uh, portions of the device will make more sense with uh, the G6, or maybe they'll come out with more accessories down the line. Yeah, it,
1: that, that, that'll be fascinating to see like, what, what do they do to follow this up?
2: Yeah, that, that's very true. Like the, the module, like does the Cam Plus, Igor um, sort of handled that section of the review and he generally wasn't that impressed with it. It's supposed to turn the G5, which has a decent camera. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. We just felt that the low light performance wasn't as good as the S7. Um, it was probably about on par with the uh, the iPhone 6S for the most part. Um, but with, with the the Cam Plus, uh, he just didn't feel like it, it was worth the price tag. Like it, it didn't feature controls on it that let you change the manual settings of the actual camera. You still had to touch yeah. the screen. It had, um, uh, like a scroll reel, a scroll wheel for zooming. Um, and it didn't feel that like well built. It was very cheap. Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's like this weird separation issue with how it attached to the actual G5 itself and it like bent funny. Yeah. Um, and like, if you're going to be, I I think it's over a hundred dollars to buy, to buy that module. But
1: most carriers are throwing it for
2: free. Throwing it in for free. So like, I guess if you're getting it for free, then by all means, that's, that's kind of cool. But like, I if I was a G5 owner, I don't think that I would want that on my, my phone. Like I'll, I'll just bust out my phone and take pictures on right. on, on my own. Right yeah, and, and the camera has
1: some great features to it, right? Like the camera built into the phone has some great yeah, features. Yeah,
2: like the, the the wide angle lens, the eight right. megapixel wide angle lens, that was really cool. Um, I think that's something that we haven't seen before in phones. Uh, it's great for like a variety of different types of photos. Like people that are super selfie obsessed can yeah. take group selfies with a bunch of people. Um, it's also awesome for taking like landscape, photos. Um, And it's a cool idea, something that we haven't seen before. So I was kind of conflicted when I was putting together this review because I think it's impressive what LG has done in terms of doing new things and trying different stuff. Um, Because the G4 was so divisive, like some people really liked it, other people hated it. It sort of lagged behind the the S6 in terms of build quality. It was still plastic. I know it had like the leather backing that you could put on it. Yeah. Um, But it still didn't feel like as good as the S6 or like an iPhone, or even some of the mid-range no, phones over, didn't. out at the time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's there's a it does a lot of cool stuff, but it's disappointing that the overall device just. It, I, I showed it to some friends and family, um, and a lot of people thought that it was like uh like an incomplete testing version, like the back of it with those two lenses. Something just seems yeah. it's difficult to put your finger on what it is, but something seems off about it. Like it's just not as sleek as. I guess what I've come to expect from, from
0: And it was supposed to be metal, right? But there was some, yeah, there,
2: there's a story today. I didn't, I didn't read the whole thing. I think it was uh, an Android authority or something like that, where they were saying that it's not actually metal. There's like plastic underneath the metal in certain parts of the phones. But then like LG came back and said it had to do with, um, making sure that the, the built-in antenna, like you know, the iPhone has that antenna, uh, Ribbon, r- ribbon on the top. It had something to do with that, where they had to make portions where the antenna were was present. Actually, plastic. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a conflicting device. On one side, like I'm, I'm super down with the cool stuff that they're doing, but then, then on the other side, it, this is I'm just like this is an ugly phone, and I don't want to look at it anymore.
1: <laughs> so the device wasn't as premium as you wanted it
2: to be. No, especially for the price tag that they're asking for. Like it's not it's not cheap. I think it's like. 800, 800 bucks. 800 bucks off contract, like that's that's not not a cheap phone. Like that's a lot of money to shell out yeah. for a smartphone. And like if I was gonna recommend a device to someone, I there's no way wouldn't that I would be that. I wouldn't you wouldn't recommend yeah. a Blackberry. I wouldn't recommend a Blackberry. <laughs> I, As I a might,
0: Canadian, you must. <laughs> I might
2: recommend the G five over a Blackberry prive though. Maybe. What? Possibly. Maybe. But, but the oh, I, is, would like, I would I do like the priv though. the, 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 the priv
1: feels like like, I, I personally wouldn't buy the Priv, uh, but it feels, when, when you hold it, it feels like a premium yeah. quality. It feels you're like right. you're holding something
2: I would agree. of I mean, value. Yeah. Yeah. And right? the, yeah, and that's one of the things with the G5, is it, it doesn't feel like you're holding something of value. So it's like, it's hard to sort of hone in on reasons to buy that phone. Like, right. when mm-hmm. the S7's around and it's a comparable price right. tag, as well as, like... Can pick up a uh, bunch of different devices that are better than it.
0: I used to say that I would recommend the LG G4's camera over the Samsung S6, Galaxy S6's camera, but I wouldn't say that anymore, especially since it didn't step up its aperture game when know, the sure. S7 did.
2: Yeah, and the S7's camera is really, really, really good in low light, too. Like when we were at uh, the S7 launch party a couple weeks ago, Igor yeah. took a bunch of pictures and did like a comparison with um uh with the even with the 6s with the image stabilization um and it just didn't look as good like there's a significant difference between both of them and it was noticeable it wasn't like minor at all
0: yeah Hmm.
1: so there you have it lg
2: (laughs) thank you take
0: that
1: thankfully we can look forward to lg g6 yeah, and, and then we're, we're going to be l- <laughs> oh,
2: we're going to be looking at the other friends accessories too. Like we have the right. the, the 360 camera um, and the the 360 VR that we're going to be checking out next right. week too. So um, maybe they'll be more worthy companions to the G5. Who knows? Right. And, and we got our uh, camera shoot coming come in next week. Yep. Monday, we're going to get some time booked off to take some pictures with all the flagships and, uh, so that we can compare the quality and, and see how, how they do. good.
1: Next week should be even more exciting than this week. Woo! Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Rose, welcome to the team. Do you Thank have you. any final say for your first experience of the podcast or anything you'd like to tell the people of
0: Canada? Um, I guess I would say glad to be here and uh, peace out.
2: Patrick. <laughs> I don't have I don't think I can top that. <laughs> Thank I mean, you. I I don't think I got anything like don't don't buy the G five. Oh, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> or, some, or, or some actually
1: some, some some people might. Check invite, out and check
2: check, check out my review and then decide if, if, if you think that uh, the G five is, is worth buying. There you go. It's beautiful. Long live
1: Tim Hortons. Thank you everyone for joining mm-hmm. us. We'll see you and uh, next week on the ZeroCast. Have a great week.